There are only three rules. Live on stage, 10 minutes long, and it must be true. Welcome to Long Story Short. Every two weeks, we bring you bare bones, live storytelling from professional writers, performers, and people with absolutely no public speaking experience at all. The stories are personal and off the cuff. It's live storytelling at its best. Beth here. I'm really excited. We've got our first interview in quite some time. On this episode, we have Amor Yates, a New York-based writer and producer for the Design Museum's weekly podcast, Design is Everywhere. Originally from Los Angeles, Amor has had an interesting career doing audio storytelling and writing about tech, education, the travel and hospitality industry, and She's done some writing on dating, which is what we're going to hear a bit about today on this episode. In addition to her writing and working at the Design Museum, she also produced a really interesting narrative-style podcast called We Met on Tinder, which examines modern dating via technology and the kinds of relationships young people today expect and long for. I don't know about you, but I love hearing people talk about their dates, good, bad, and ugly. I love hearing about the text conversations gone awry, people with ridiculous online profiles, and absurd expectations. You get most of that in We Met on Tinder, but you also get some fascinating real talk especially from the guys that Amor interviews. This interview for this show was conducted over the summer by my fantastic former intern, Julia Christian, who helped connect me with Amor and conducted a number of podcast interviews we're going to be releasing throughout the fall. If you like this conversation, please make sure to check out our other interviews we have on our website, Long Story Short Pod. Okay, here's Amor Yates. All right, so first, I would love to ask you about your podcast called We Met on Tinder. Can you you talk a little bit about that and how you grew to become a storyteller? Yeah, wow. So We Met on Tinder was born out of this idea where a lot of my peers were dating online and we were all exchanging stories uh, about the latest person we went on a date with and how it went. And, you know, you know, those like butterfly feelings you have right before you meet someone. And I think a lot of that happens a lot when you're dating online because you create a relationship with this person, not, a, not an actual defined relationship, but a, a banter that only exists in this like digital space. And so you start to develop these these feelings and these excitements and then you meet them in person and can go either which way. And so I saw a lot of my peers having these experiences 
that previous generations didn't know how to articulate, you know, or, or didn't have to experience. Um, so when I would tell my mom or my grandma, you know, the latest date I went on, they found it so odd that I met someone online and went on a date with them. So we met on Tinder was just kind of this like interest to dive into what it means to connect with people, whether it's romantically or even platonically, because I've made friendships from Tinder before, but what it's like to meet someone online and develop that relationship. And so at the time when I did season one, I was not really interested in, in dating, but I was interested in learning more about how people connect. So kind of a, a weird uh, story that like prefaced the, the, the portion of season one, I studied abroad in New Zealand and actually met a guy while I was in New Zealand from Tinder. And after like a date or two, he was going to go to Tyler to Southeast Asia to travel. He was Kiwi. He was going to go travel in Southeast Asia. Very, very typical where they take like a gap year to travel. And he was like, I know this is crazy, but you should um, meet me somewhere in Southeast Asia when you're done with your program. This is a bananas thing. Like, I'm going to go. I met this guy for like five days. And why would I go to Southeast Asia with someone I barely know? But by the end of the program, I went. I went to Thailand with a person I'd only known for a little bit of time. And I was an adult. And I, and I did it all the smart way. I kind of had a game plan. I showed my parents where I'd be staying. So I didn't do this entirely recklessly. But I also did it with the idea of like, I'm young. I, I want to do something bold and crazy. And even though that didn't develop into a relationship that was romantic, it left me with a lot of stories. And I was like, that is crazy. I met this person on an app and I left with this insane experience. How often does it happen to people? And so for season one, I was like, you know what? Let's, let's talk to 10 guys in one month, kind of a crazy, ridiculous number, and just record these conversations and the weirdness and awkwardness that comes from dating and that's what that's what ended up happening um and it was more just kind of interested in seeing their experiences ask them questions that you wouldn't ask in a first date that are a little awkward and weird like you know what what's the worst date that you've ever been on and when have you ever been ghosted you know things that people probably don't really want to talk about on a first date and just ask it anyway and I was really lucky that each of them opened up to me. Um, I don't know if I became a storyteller through it, but I got a lot of, I learned, I had a lot of insights and gained a lot of insights about how other, other people view themselves. And so whenever I talk about women on Tinder, even though it's a show born out of love and interest in love, it's more about people and learning about where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like you said, dating can be really awkward and uncomfortable and people don't always want to talk about, you know, their experiences. Uh, so, I mean, what challenges did you face when reporting on your own personal dating life? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, but that was the most open I'd ever been. And I think it was also because I was creating something that was also a way for me to become a better producer and become a better editor. And oftentimes when you're, when you're trying to grow in your field and in your career, sometimes it's just a matter of like making the thing on your own. And, and because I'd been pitching, we met on Tinder and I'd been pitching my, my, my ideas to different 
organizations and media companies and nothing was landing, I was like, you know what? Let me just make the idea on my own. That way I can learn how to do everything behind the scenes and just see what happens. Um, so I think the first thing that was challenging was just letting myself, like it, it can be very cringy to edit your own audio and then imagine editing your audio that is so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I just found myself just being like, oh my God, Amar, do not put this. Like, this is so, and even now the fact that some of the things that exist on there, I think are very cringy, but they're honest and they're real. And that's how I felt at that time. And I can see that girl for who she is at that time going through that thing. So I think the first thing was just me just doing it, just just doing it anyway. Um, and then the second challenging thing was much like how dating is itself, there are some good ones and there are some bad ones. And there were definitely some interviews that were difficult. Um, there were definitely people whose uh, opinions I didn't totally um, agree with. And they said things that I didn't totally agree with, but it wasn't my role as the journalist to attack it. It was my role to portray it as it was. And um, I hope that I was able to do that, but I, but it was something that I learned, I had to learn how to step back and just watch it unfold. And that was challenging. Yeah, that's, that's really hard because that's, I mean, that objectivity is something they preach in journalism school, but I'm, when you're reporting on your own life and your own experiences, that's really, really difficult. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like a fine line. You don't know where to, where to go. You, you want to, you're teetering on both sides and you're not quite sure where to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so season two, you're following, uh, like strangers dating lives, not your own. So Mm -hmm. what were the like main differences between season one and season two? And yeah, what was it it like to tell someone else's story compared to your own? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So the reason, so season two, I followed four near New York City singles as they were dating online over the course of three months. And the reason why I wanted to follow other people date was because season one, was very specifically me. I was very aware of the fact that the narration was coming from a cisgender, heterosexual female from Los Angeles, 25. Like it was very specifically a more, but there are so many different voices out there. And I, in, even in the interviews, I saw how many different stories and voices. I'm like, what if we shifted it? And it was about other people's voices and what they're going through and what they're experiencing. Um, because you know, there are, those are the, the more that we have, the more that you see that there's also so many similarities as well, um, that you wouldn't expect that vulnerability, that fear is such a universal feeling. And so I was kind of playing with this idea in my head and I kind of just did a silly call to action. I went on my hinge, I went on my Tinder, I went on my Bumble. And instead of putting like my about me, where it's like, I am a 20 something female living in New York city. I said, Hey, do you want to be on a show that will follow you around for three months? And I had a bunch of people say, yeah, I want to be on. But as soon as they find out more and more, you know, I think people get really excited at first, but then they slowly start to realize like, Oh, wow, this is a very vulnerable experience. So I had a few people who backed out, but the four people that I ended up following were all people who were going through very different experiences at the time. Um, I had, one person who had uh, was in the Mormon religion for most of their adult life, for most of their childhood leading into their adult life. 
and didn't have a lot of dating experience. And so when they left the Mormon religion and they were dating online, they live in New York City of all places, which New York City is a very intense place to live, even if you haven't left the Mormon religion. And they were also a flight attendant and had experienced recently um, a, something very tragic on the flight. Um, they'd witnessed someone who was in the process of like dying in their arms. And because of that, he then internalized all of that, like, wow, life is short, <laughs> life is fragile and wanted to do something bold and wanted to meet new people. And that it's so hard to be dating as a flight attendant as well. So there was that one, one story. The other story was someone who traditionally, I think kind of like fit uh, uh, this um, may, may seem, I don't want to say the word fuck boy, because that, <laughs> I think that's overused. But if we were to play the, the arc, that, that type of like archetype role, he was someone who liked to play it off in the first few episodes. He went on a lot of, lots of dates with lots of girls and it didn't seem like he really cared about any of them. But then as we started to meet more and more, I would meet bi-weekly with them. So every two weeks for three months. And so more and more we would uncover things where it's like, he was kind of bummed out. Something didn't happen with this girl. He has still had feelings for his ex-girlfriend um, and all these feelings. The, uh, the other uh, cast member we had was someone who in the beginning of the interview, they were struggling with their own identity and not knowing. They had gone on a date with a woman and he went by um, the pronouns he at the time and was discovering that he, wanted to, he didn't want to dress in, in the outfit he was in. And that this was like very something about the way he presented himself was not the way he wanted to present himself anymore. And over the course of the interviews, that started to change and evolve. And so it became less about the dates and their own evolution. Um, and I'm still in touch with, with him and, and they, they have now transitioned to she. And it's when we chatted, it was it's like the show was able to document a sliver, a tiny sliver of their dating experience, but it had nothing to do with finding love at the end. It was just about kind of discovering themselves through it, discovering what they wanted. Um, also at the time, just personally, um, I had experienced loss at the time and I was able to connect with one of my cast members about the loss that they had experienced. And, you know, since I was new to New York City and I didn't have a lot of connections, it was really profound to see how all of our stories reflect one another. And here they all had different voices, different perspectives, different backgrounds, different religious beliefs, different orientations, different everything. They all had dif they all had that kind of like same unifying theme. And I thought that was really wonderful. Um, and it was nice to take a back seat to let other people's voices um, describe that because I had done enough talking in season one. <laughs> <laughs> And I was at that point also kind of nauseated by my own voice. Was <laughs> <laughs> that hard to get people to open up to you? That's, I mean, that seems really hard, especially like signing up to open themselves up to an even larger audience. You know, they're yeah. like on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things that helped it was the fact that I did all of my recordings outside. So I kind of wanted to have that like ambient feeling. One of the things I was worried about is if we had like sat down in a studio space, it would almost feel too clinical. It would almost feel like, hello, you now you were on a podcast. I wanted it to feel both seasons of women on Tinder are both recorded outside. So you can actually hear the cityscape. And for me, I kind of did that intentionally 
because I wanted it to feel like you're just eavesdropping in on a conversation and I love eavesdropping and I, I, I think it's I think well, as soon as you walk into the public sphere the conversations are to your disposal so kind of when you go to restaurants you just hear what the person saying next to you I like that stuff it's fun mm-hmm. um and so I wanted to, to feel like that kind of like you're you're listening in on something uh, obviously I wouldn't post anything on the show that they weren't okay with having on um it matters more to me that all part of the reason why season two isn't out in its entirety is because uh I wanted to sit down with some of the audio so that there were some changes that needed to be made to kind of respect the privacy of the cast member. Um, And so it meant more to me to maintain that privacy than it is to just pump out material because I think it's, I think it's, um, I I think it's like marketable. I wanted to only put out something that I think really respected as, as the interviewer, they were being vulnerable with me. They were being, they were letting me in on what they were going through. And I feel as since, because I had done that in season one, I knew how terrifying that can feel. Um, so I'm lucky that they did that. I, I don't know that I did the hard part. I think they did the hard part. And I'm really lucky that all of them opened up to me for that period of time and are just really kind um, in doing that and brave because it's scary. It's really terrifying mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. And I mean, don't like discredit yourself because as an interviewer, it's so hard to make people feel comfortable talking to you. I mean, journalists have a really bad reputation uh, for, th- you know, just exploiting people. So I, I mean, if people are sharing their personal thoughts and experiences with you, you're definitely doing something right. And I think that <laughs> shines through in the, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank so, you. Well, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, learn, I'm trying to learn how to say thank you to things and not be scared of <laughs> thank you you know <laughs> you know when you're learning like how to like be like okay more you did you did all right you did okay yeah. I think the the other thing that's really good with um when I'm thinking about work I'm doing with podcasts and the role of the host and the role of the interviewer is also to kind of play this role of knowing where the audience wants to know and, and what they're curious about, but also making sure, like you said, that the guest is also comfortable. So through a lot of that time, I think when I was interviewing, I had to, because I, I edited all my audio in the first season, I heard how often I was interjecting to say things. Cause in, naturally in conversation, you interject, that's just a natural human way of like having that connection. Um, but when you're interviewing, I had to learn oh, step up, take a step back a more. I had to keep telling myself because I had edited my audio and I remember thinking, oh my God, Amor, you keep interjecting, like let them finish their thought. And so I, when I was recording season two, I had had that realization. I'd already known because I listened to my audio. So I knew when to say things and I knew when, or I, I think I, I somewhat knew, I'm still learning. I'm still not totally there yet, but I somewhat knew when to say things and when not to say things better than season one for sure. Mm-hmm. So what do you think makes dating stories so popular in mm. our culture? I think as human beings, we all have this very profound need to connect. Connecting is so important. I mean, that's why in the last year, there it was so difficult because connecting via, via pixels, while really lovely, it's still pretty difficult because it's not, it's not like that just physical in person connection. And 
even if people aren't dating, even if they're not looking for love, even if they're not on that um, looking for romance, connecting is, is such a powerful thing and it can change your perspective on yourself and the, and the life you lead. And, and maybe it also has partly to do with my name. My name is Amor. I feel like I was kind of destined to be kind of obsessed with love. And I've always been really into like romantic comedies and rom-coms. And I've definitely like leveled down for sure. Um, and may, that might just be because I'm in a committed relationship. And now I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's all right, Amor. But I, I was just so, all of my writing, all of the things I was interested in were just so into like discovering love and why why we why we do the things we do and why it's so scary and why is it so like intoxicating as well um and then also just like watching my friends and how they dated and I'm just like how do other people date so I think I think when dating shows like whether it's like a love island because I definitely love those type shows even though they're terrible but all of I think the thing that becomes it all boils down to is whether you're like you know, six foot five, and it seems like you have everything in the world, like, you're still wanting that connection. Like every person, I think, seeks connection. I think that's why you you can just see those stories play out. And they're very interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you like you shifted gears from season one to season two, if you had done a third season, do you think you would have done something different again? Or just keep talking to strangers? I think that's a, that's a really great question. I mean, one of the things that we, so I um, collaborate a lot with my, um, my friend, Matthew Schaffner, who definitely deserves a shout out in this. He did all of the soundscapes for the podcast. He's a really, really talented musician. And I also collaborated with my friend, Jess Carraza for half of season one. She's also a very talented musician and artist. So I am not a musician, but I think a lot of terms of music in editing, like I, my, my father's a musician. I come from a very artistic background with my family. And so when I think of editing, when I think of audio, when I think of uh, how art combines into the podcast world, I think a lot about those sounds, the sounds like, you know, the background in New York City, the kind of the revving of the car, the sirens, um, some the neighbor yelling at someone, like things like that are very, um, they're very inspiring to me. And so when I think more as we met on Tinder evolves, if it were to evolve, if I were to revisit it, I think there would just definitely be more of those layerings. Um, I think it, I what I do like about it is that it is a different kind of voice every season. I don't know, maybe the third season would continue to, um, I think I was, I was definitely onto something with staying with a cast for a long period of time and I think it really progresses in a beautiful way. Um, so I think that, you know, if season three were to come to be, it would continue to be those, those same themes and maybe with strangers as well, but with just a lot more storytelling in there and music. Mm-hmm. It would have been cool to capture uh, a snapshot of COVID, the height of the pandemic. And do- yeah, I, I thought a lot, had, it's funny because the cast messaged me. I call them the cast because I don't like to use their names, but also like they're, they are the cast of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they messaged me during like lockdown and they're like, like, well, one more, what are you working on with? Like, are you going to interview people <laughs> all locked down and stuff? And um, 
but yeah, no, that, that would have been funny. I did hear, a, I mean, I met my partner through COVID actually. I met him the first week of lockdown um, wow. and he, we met on hinge and then we were, we just like, I was like, yep, he's it. And um, yeah. And it was crazy. And I, and then we, we've been together ever since. Yeah. That's yeah. That's really good timing. <laughs> I feel as though people who were in relationships during all of the, you know, the height of the pandemic really lucked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I think like it, it's so wild, but it really is you don't it's like the cheesy line where it's like it happens when you least expect it and I wasn't on the app to um date anyone I was actually on the app because what was I I was like lockdown had just happened and I remember just being like kind of because I think a lot of people's purpose was kind of like thrown out all because you know the, the world just changed shifted so quickly and so I'm like what do I do do I like continue like producing this show what does the show look like if people aren't even dating now like and a lot of people messaged me and said oh you should see what hinge looks like right now because people are saying like i don't have corona or whatever so i went on the app to see like what people were saying and then that's when i saw my partner on there and he was just funny he just made me laugh and it was just so easy to talk to him and i i like i think for me in my dating past life dating had always been so hard and in nothing was hard with him and I remember so many times people saying when it's right it's easy and I was like what does that even mean and then I'm like oh (laughs) got it (laughs) and um and yeah I'm really lucky because um I think I think that's also a lot of the reason why I uh was I I've I've I was so like such an open book before and now I have something so precious that I love that I've kind of just been like this is for me this is for me to have and I have this wonderful thing and I just like I, I feel really lucky that um I had it during a very scary time that's really sweet <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna hear this and just be like ah <laughs> I was nauseating more <laughs> it's okay I gotta get gushy and mushy for the podcast (laughs) all right uh well I would love to hear what you have to say about what makes a good story could be dating or not that's a that's a good question look at you Julia (laughs) amazing questions let's see um I don't know I, I I mean I I have a sense I don't know that I'm skilled enough to answer this but I think a lot about this I think and I actually was just chatting with um so as you know I work for a uh for a nonprofit. we produce a weekly podcast and I was just chatting with um one of our interns about the story direction we want it to go in and there are a lot of different you know like there there's lots of resources out there like Pixar has like their storytelling rules or like Kurt Vonnegut like there's always like a thing that you know there has to be a conflict there has to be there has to be a you know a why there has to be this I I think you can have a lot of interesting interesting things happen but unless there is like a for me a thorough line of like growth 
or a destination for me I'm just like what is the point like I I the movies that I struggle with the most um I don't want to shame any movies on a podcast right now but there's one movie I have in mind that I detest and it's because it just at the end it never got there never did anything it's like you know they had all the bells and whistles they had all the the things that you know oh that looks cool but it wasn't you can tell that there wasn't clearly thought out and I think audience members know that they can feel you can feel when all of the loose ends get tied you can feel when like there's a resolution um my boyfriend and I recently watched Shutter Island for instance we rewatched it after seeing it a decade ago and that movie really does like just tie all those loose ends beautifully and so I think for me it has to be thoughtfully designed for a purpose. I think there has to be a conflict. I think there has to be um, a moment, a climax that challenges some growth. Um, and I thought a lot about this when you're when you're creating a podcast too, you also don't know the direction it's gonna go in. When I ha- chose those four cast members, we didn't know what was gonna happen at the end of those three months. Was anything gonna happen? And then looking back, I then had to kind of start weaving and threading and I saw, whoa, okay, how that thing happened and this thing happened. And then now they're here, you know, um, in one of the, one of the cast members ends up leaving New York at the very last episode. And I was, and it was like a big thing because they needed, they needed to do that for them. And I think a story has to be, and also has to be really uh, genuine. I think the thing about audio storytelling is you can tell in someone's voice, if they're tired, if they're stressed, if they're annoyed, if they haven't had water. And there's a lot of intimate things in a person's voice. So I think that if there's genuine, uh, if there's a genuine heart behind it, it makes a big impactful moment. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful answer. It <laughs> <laughs> was beautiful. Thank you. I, yeah, I totally agree. It's like, um, why should I invest in this story? Why should I invest my time and my energy? And if there's not, if those loose ends aren't tied up at the end, you don't feel that relief. Mm-hmm. And it's just like all that built up tension and there's there's no relief from it. And it's mm-hmm. frustrating as the, as the listener, as the viewer. And yeah, the storyteller's job is to take care of all of that. So I totally agree. A podcast that does that masterfully and they no longer exist, but it's a podcast I think is really special is Mystery Show with Starly Klein. Um, her objective each episode is to uncover a mystery and they're mysteries that are, you know, like one of them is her, her, one of her close friends writes a book that wasn't very successful, but for whatever reason, Britney Spears is photographed by a paparazzi holding the book. And so she's like, whoa, did Britney Spears read my book? Another one is uh, someone's trying to figure out the height of Jake Gyllenhaal because Jake Gyllenhaal's height is like all over the internet is like different heights and he just wants to find the final <laughs> answer. So nothing about it is like entirely serious uh, in terms, I mean, they are serious for, for the person because it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you don't have the answer to something you just need to know. Um, but along the way, she's just having conversations with like customer service people and just the people you meet on the street and like having really wonderful moments with them. And as much as it's about the mystery, it's also about like how cheesy it's about the journey too. But it was like creating these connections with people and like what matters to them. And I think that show does like story in a very beautiful way. 
Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's a good one. Bring it back, Gimlet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they will once they hear this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, those are all of my questions. So thank oh, you so much for of participating course. and sharing all your wonderful insights. Oh, thank you for having me. You're a wonderful interviewer. This oh, was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Long Story Short is produced and hosted by Beth LaMontagne Hall. Original music by Timothy Fife, whose recordings are available on SoundCloud. A special thanks to the Long Story Short advisory board members, Tristan Law, Amy Jane Larkin, Martin Murray, Debbie Kane, and Mark Michael Adams for their support and all they do to keep this series going. The stories recorded in front of a live audience are part of Long Story Short's ongoing storytelling series, held quarterly in the 3S Art Space Theater in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Thank you to the 3S team for their production assistance, marketing support, and for making these recordings sound so good. 3S Art Space is a contemporary arts organization, venue, and gallery space dedicated to presenting bold and emerging art and entertainment. To learn more about the organization and upcoming shows, go to 3sarts.org. To learn more about Long Story Short, how to get tickets to a live performance, or to sign up to be one of the storytellers, go to longstoryshortpod.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at longstoryshort3s.